0: There are many great images of Christian discipleship in the gospels. Over the past few months, during ordinary time, we've actually studied many of these in depth, seeing what they teach us about being a disciple in the kingdom. Here are some of my favorites, some of them we have studied together. In Matthew 13, discipleship is like sowing seeds in soil. Later on in that same chapter in Matthew 13, discipleship is like seeking after a hidden treasure or a pearl of great price that you give everything for in order to obtain it. John chapter 15 talks about discipleship being like vine and branches. We abide in the Lord just as branches abide in the vine. And then we have perhaps one of my favorites in Matthew chapter 4, where being a disciple is like being a fisher of men. Here's another image of discipleship that we don't talk about very often. I want to share it with you and see what you think. Christian discipleship is like sitting in a waiting room. Who's excited to sit in a waiting room? (laughs) I didn't think so. Not many of us. I hate waiting rooms. Just the thought of the old magazines and the uncomfortable furniture and the clock ticking slowly makes me impatient. I'm reminded of what one of my favorite comedians, Jerry Seinfeld, once said. There is no chance you will not wait in a waiting room. It's called a waiting room. They have it, they are going to use it. I know about this firsthand. Rather unexpectedly this week, I spent a lot more time in waiting rooms than I usually care to, in doctor's offices, in hospitals, at a auto mechanic. And as I waited, and I waited, and I waited some more, I thought about this scripture reading from Matthew 25, this parable of the 10 virgins. And it hit me that this parable is the gospel of the waiting room. It's not our favorite passage, it's a tough passage, but it's an important one. In this parable, Jesus is trying to teach us something about patience, about what it means to watch and to wait. So let's open our Bibles together. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter 25 and go through this parable that begins in verse one. Let me give you some context. This is part of the last sermon that Jesus gives before his death. Right after this, he goes to the cross. Uh, This is uh, right after the triumphal entry. It comes after the temple cleansing and Jesus' showdown with the Pharisees. And after all this happens, Jesus retreats to the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 23. Now those of you who know your Old Testament prophecy will know that the Mount of Olives is a very important place. It is the place that the prophet Zechariah said in chapter 14 of that book that the Lord would return to redeem his people. So the disciples then are sitting with the Lord on the Mount of Olives and all this stuff just went down at the temple and so they ask Jesus an understandable question in Matthew chapter 23 verse 3. Tell us then, what will these things be, and what will be your sign at the coming of the end of the age? Many Christians have asked this question how it's going to end? What's going to happen? How do we know when the end is coming? Many have read scripture, tried to decode prophecy, read through the book of Revelation to get a sense of when exactly things will end and how it will be. But this is exactly what Jesus tells his disciples not to do. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 36, he lays it on them. No one knows the hour or the day, not the angels, not even the Son of Man. Jesus himself doesn't know when the end is coming, so what good does it do for his disciples to speculate about it? Jesus knows that trying to figure out how things will end is actually bad for our discipleship. It hampers our following after Jesus. Instead, Jesus is interested in something different, something most of us don't really like. He wants us to be patient people, to be ready to watch and to wait with him. And this is where our parable comes into play. Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The virgins here are bridesmaids, bridesmaids from a wedding party. We all know what bridesmaids are. Many of us maybe have been a bridesmaid. Their job is to attend to the bride, to help her, to do whatever it is that she needs. Bridesmaids usually go with the bride. But something is up here the bridesmaids are waiting for the groom. We can infer that the bride has already arrived to the wedding banquet. She wants to get the party started, but you can't start the party without the groom. So she sends out her bridesmaids to keep watch, to keep candles, lamps lit, and to wait for the coming of the groom. Verse 2 is really key to this parable. We are told that not all of these bridesmaids are alike. Five of them are foolish, and then five of them are wise. And the difference between the wise and the foolish is the key to understanding Jesus' point of this parable. It's two things that make the wise bridesmaids wise. First, wise bridesmaids are prepared. And second, the wise bridesmaids are Pay attention. We'll start with the prepared. Verse three The foolish took their lamps, but they take no extra oil with them. But the wise take flasks of oil with them. See, no one knows when the groom's going to arrive. They can't know. The foolish assume he's coming soon, and they have just what they need for a soon arrival. They thought they knew when the groom would return. But the wise knew that it wasn't a good idea to try and predict when it would happen. It was better to be prepared. It was better to have extra, to make sure they have enough. And so, what happens? Verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him then all the bridesmaids rose and got their lamps ready. It turns out that the wise bridesmaids were right. It took a while for the groom to come, so long that they all fell asleep. And it's at this point that the foolish bridesmaids realize their mistake. They do not have enough oil. They can't keep their lamps lit, so they ask for help. And this is where we start talking about this second characteristic of the wise bridesmaids. They not only prepare, but they pay attention. Verse 9, verse 8, sorry. The foolish say to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Now, good Christian morality would say that we should share what we have with others. If someone else doesn't have enough, we should give it. But this is not what happens. It's rather unexpected. Verse 9. Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. See, the wise bridesmaids were prepared. They had enough. They were doing their mission. They were keeping watch. They were not going to allow these foolish bridesmaids to distract them from paying attention to the groom and his coming. Wise bridesmaids pay attention. And it's exactly when the fools are distracted off at the dealer trying to do what they should have done earlier that they miss out on the arrival of the groom. He comes, the doors are closed. They don't pay attention. So wise bridesmaids prepare and pay attention, and foolish bridesmaids are unprepared and inattentive. What's the result here? Look with me at verse 12. They come after getting their oil, the doors are locked, and they say, Lord, Lord, but the groom answers, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. Jesus ends with this very ominous warning. It's a warning about the consequences of being unprepared and inattentive. Now, for us reading this scripture passage, we may feel this is a little harsh. After all, the bridesmaids were there. They had lamps. True, they had to go off and were distracted, but they were there. Why are they being thrown out? What is the big deal? The big deal is that these foolish bridesmaids missed the entire point of being bridesmaids. Their job, their mission, their vocation was to keep watch. And because they weren't prepared and because they were distracted, they missed out. The goal and vocation of Christian discipleship is to keep watch, to wait, to be ready for the coming of the Lord, That's what each one of us is called to do as we await for the return of Christ. In order to do this, we must be wise bridesmaids. We must be prepared, and we must pay attention. This, friends, is the whole point of this parable. Jesus is calling us to be patient people. And patient people prepare and pay attention. Now, I am not up here preaching this sermon out of some place of pious superiority. You can ask anybody who knows me. You can ask my wife. I am not a patient person. I take great pride in being always the first one done with everything. I'm the first one done with tests, the first one done with a project, the first one done eating, and the first one to sleeping. I am fast, I am efficient, and I do not wait well. But over the past few months, God has been testing me. He's been speaking to me about this tendency to be impatient. It all started back in May. I uh, sprained my ankle pretty severely. Some of you may remember, I was in a big boot, walking like this for about two months. And I thought I heard the Lord saying, Brian, slow down. Prepare. Pay attention to me. And I said, yeah, 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 I got it. Patience, yeah, that's good. And then, last week happened. My car broke down. I couldn't go anywhere quickly. I had to rely on other people to get rides anywhere. Thank God for Uber. And then, the day after my car broke down, I broke my pinky toe on my left foot. Now, some of you may have experienced that as well. It is somewhat painful to have a broken pinky toe, but the most frustrating thing about it is that everywhere I go, I have to be slow. I can't go as fast as I want. God was very clearly telling me to slow down. When I'm fast, When I am busy, when I'm going from thing to thing, I'm not prepared and I don't pay attention. And I would guess it's not just me. This is a big problem in our culture. We are a busy, fast-paced culture. Our culture does not encourage slowness or taking time. In fact, more often, our culture rewards impatience. We get things what we want faster when we're impatient. If Jesus is calling us in this parable to be patient people, people who prepare, and people who pay attention, then it is true that our culture actually makes Christian discipleship harder. It's much harder to be patient people in our culture. God is indeed calling Christians. He's calling each one of us, you and I, to be patient people. It's one of the central attributes of what it means to be a disciple. And it makes good sense why. Jesus was a patient person. Jesus was always prepared to pay attention to those the world cast off, those whom the world ignored and drove by. Patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience is a sign of love. Our Lord was patient. He's asking us to be patient too. But if we are busy, if we are unprepared, if we are inattentive, then we will miss out on the kingdom. That's what this warning is here for in Matthew 25. We're going to miss out on God's work in our midst. So how do we do this? How do we become patient people? People who are prepared, people who are attentive to the coming of the king. Well, friends, it's really rather simple. It's two things. We have to repent and we have to pray. Repentance and prayer. These are the things that help make us more patient. First, we repent. We admit that we are impatient. We admit that we are unprepared. We have to admit that we are inattentive, that we are too busy and distracted by the things of this world to wait with Jesus. The question Jesus asks his disciples that dark night in Gethsemane is true to each one of us. Will you wait for me, with me, for just one hour? The answer is no, we can't. And the first step to an analogy, to solving a problem is admitting that we have one. We are an impatient people. But praise God, when we repent, we receive grace. We are dependent on the Lord for his patience. It's a gift he gives to us when we ask it of him. But that's not where it ends. Yes, we acknowledge our failures, we acknowledge our impatience, we receive grace, but then, secondly, we have to pray. Prayer is the thing that makes us patient people. Prayer is how we fill up our flasks full of oil. Prayer is the thing that trains us for endurance, that helps us to watch and to wait for the Lord. Prayer helps us prepare and prayer helps us attend. When we pray scripture, when we read the Psalms, God is preparing us to recognize his kingdom. He is showing us his character. He is revealing to us his work. If we are waiting for the Lord, we can't recognize him unless we know what to look for. That's what scripture does for us. It shows us the Lord so we can watch for him to show up. The more that we pray, the better prepared we are to receive the Lord in our lives. But prayer also helps us attend, paying attention. This indeed, friends, is one of the most important features of prayer. Prayer helps us pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. Often when people are in crisis moments, one of the first things that pastors like myself hear is is this common question. Where is God? I thought he was with me. Where is he in this? I don't see him. This is an understandable question. Sometimes it can feel like God has abandoned us, like he is not there. But the question, where is God, is not the right question. Not where is God, but where are you? Is your attention on the crisis... Is your attention on the shame and the guilt, on your own brokenness, on your own failures, on your own inadequacy, on your fears, or are you paying attention to the Holy Spirit in your midst? As the prophet Jeremiah said, God is in our very midst. The question is whether we are paying attention or not. This is our call, friends. This is our call. It is a tough one. To be patient people. To be waiting room people. It's a sign of growth when we see the waiting room not as something to be feared and run from, but something to embrace. As a place where God shows up and reveals himself to us. My prayer for you this morning, Christ Church, for me is that we would embrace our call to be more patient, to be people of prayer, people who prepare, people who pay attention to what God is doing in our lives, people who watch and wait. For it is in the watching, it is in the waiting, it is in the waiting rooms of our lives that we meet our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.